2: Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redman for the last two hours on the breakfast buffet and thanks indeed to him for filling the gap caused by my unexpected absence last Saturday. Yes, I finally fell victim to COVID and so couldn't be with you, but I'm back. So, this morning on The Bottom Line, we'll talk to a local entrepreneur who is really passionate about supporting local business, is working to bring back locally manufactured, Products and whose business, the Linen Shirt Company, is attracting lots of attention for all the right reasons. We'll hear from Minister Damien English about his recent visit to Kilkenny to meet local businesses. What did he make of what he experienced and what is the government concentrating on to help businesses during these challenging times? And we'll talk to Noel Davidson from the Entrepreneurs Academy about imposter syndrome and the new training course for locally based owner managers. But first, the International Business business and economic environment has a huge bearing on how business fares in Carlow and Kilkenny. Before we came on air, I caught up with regular bottom line contributor, economist, commentator and podcaster Jim Power to get his take on where we're at. Here's our conversation. Jim Perra, when last we talked uh, the invasion in Ukraine was just really underway. We're two months into this uh, obscenity now at this stage. Uh, very hard for businesses and governments and individuals to uh, to look ahead and indeed the World Bank and the IMF slashing their growth forecasts. Tell us about that and what you see the pressures on businesses and so on coming to bear in the next couple of months.
3: Well, I, I think in fairness John um, six months ago very few of us would have understood The significance of that part of the world ukraine russia belarus etc and what we've discovered over the last three months is just how important that part of the world is for a lot of commodities particularly so you look at potash which is a major ingredient for um, fertilizer for growing food you look at industrial metals like aluminium palladium nickel etc and of course some of those metals are essential for uh, electric vehicle batteries so there's, there's huge issues there on the metal, industrial metals front and then of course on the food side you know um, so much wheat is exported from that part of the world to the rest of the world and of course wheat is an intrinsic part of the food chain so we, we've seen um, massive supply shocks in areas like that and um, b- 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 countries are now I, I don't think as i say very few people realised just how significant all of these things are and that part of the world is and suddenly all of the supply side difficulties and supply chain difficulties that were in place coming out of covid earlier in the year uh, have been utterly exacerbated by the catastrophe that happened in ukraine and um, we've seen inflation taking off to an even greater extent. Um, and this week, we've seen the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank significantly revise down their growth forecasts. And, um, okay, the downward revisions were significant, but they're still not talking about a global recession or anything like that. But if you read the small print on both of those forecasts, they're basically saying they haven't a clue. Mm. Uh, there is just so much uncertainty out at the moment
2: because Um, we have uh, no idea how
3: the war is going to evolve over the coming months how long it's going to last how bad it's going to get you know will the european union impose um sanctions on energy imports from um russia so there's, there's all of these issues that are still up in the air but it has created you know a situation where there is now massive, massive uncertainty out there about the global economy.
2: Yeah, and there's a uh, stinging detail uh, in COVID as well, because I think um, we've talked before about supply chains, but China's in trouble.
3: Yes, China's in big trouble. I mean, I've seen footage over the last couple of weeks of hundreds of ships uh, docked off China who cannot access Chinese ports because of the COVID lockdown restrictions. And of course, uh, we saw, you know, last year, the post-COVID supply chain difficulties. A lot of it was caused by what was happening in China. Uh, The situation had been alleviated somewhat um, a couple of months ago, but now it's back in full screen again. And and, and this is the problem, and I think the IMF said during the week, what we're seeing now is crisis upon crisis. And and that really is, um, you know, it it really is a case of kicking the person when they're down. Mm. So the post-COVID world was challenging Uh, We get the Ukraine war, which has huge implications. And then you superimpose on top of that the fact that we're seeing renewed really heavy restrictions and shutdowns of cities and ports and so on in China. So all of that stuff is just going to seriously complicate the supply um, chain issues. And I I saw an interesting statistic during the week um, that rice is used to feed half of humankind. And uh, because of the escalation in the price of fertilizer, many rice growing countries are significantly cutting back on fertilizer to grow rice. So consequence of that will be that the rice harvest is going to be down dramatically in the next 12 months. And of course, that then in turn creates its own huge food crisis. So the the reverberations from what's happening in Ukraine are they're just absolutely extraordinary yeah. you know, at an economic level not to mention the um, humanitarian human level, which is absolutely dreadful
2: yeah it's obscene Yeah, um, it, we can take nothing for granted but something that seemed to be irreversible was the whole trend towards globalisation um, I know you were talking in your podcast uh, The Other Hand with Chris Johns about perhaps the end of globalisation what would that mean for business and explain it to people
3: Well, I mean, globalization basically describes a process where more and more countries are free to do business with each other. You get the free movement of people from country to country. So it was really, and, and this has been, I guess, a driving force of global economic activity development over the last 30, 40 years. Well, really, since the aftermath of the Second World War. Um, you know we've seen increasing integration of countries economies and peoples and uh, this was the model and suddenly um, the Ukraine war has changed at all mm. uh, because um, I, I think businesses will now have to seriously think about doing business in and investing in certain countries and um, you look at what for example what has happened on the aircraft leasing side um and a number of um aircraft leasers had planes on the ground in moscow that have been um taken by the russian government mm. uh, you have a situation where a number of planes were on the tarmac in uh ukraine and they have been um, dismantled for parts by the ukrainians yeah. so uh, you know that the the, the, the I think the one thing we now realize is that, you know, the world has become an, increased, an increasingly dangerous, unstable place. Um, and this is definitely going to impact on investment decisions on countries you trade with or do not trade with. So th- 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 there's a massive issue blowing up here. Mm. And I, I guess the the, bot- the the bottom of the net result of all of that is that definitely the globalization model that has evolved over the last 30, 40 years is now facing its first really, really massive challenge Hmm. that does question the sustainability of the whole globalization process. And of course, from an Irish perspective, Ireland is probably one of the best examples of a globalized economy you can possibly get. You know, foreign trade in both directions, imports and exports, is a huge part of our economy foreign direct investment into the country is a huge part of our economy. Mm-hmm. So if, if globalization you know, suffers, if it falls apart, it's going to damage global trade, that in turn will feed into, uh, Ireland will not be immune from that. So um, I, I guess one thing we're looking up about is that most of our economic, big economic trading relationships are with countries that you would deem Mm. um, politically
2: stable yeah and uh, interesting a lot of european countries they're holding their noses as they're paying for russian gas and oil but they're still continuing to do it because they don't have a choice but janet yellen who's the u.s treasury uh, secretary marked a kind of a big change she's saying linking trade to values that that be massive really because people don't really link trade to values usually ergo the the Germans buying their Russian gas uh,
3: in, in, Indeed and um, I, I think we, we, we have got to and I, I guess this would be my perspective primarily in this crisis that we have, Europe has got to seriously look at um, the continuation of buying energy from Russia because basically this is just funding the Russian war machine and um, the sanction that would really hit Russia would be if we stop importing energy. And, of course, uh, the downside, the consequences for Europe um, economically would be very, very significant. Um, but I think we've, there's a moral choice to be made here, you know, if we continue to trade with Russia on the energy front, well we're, we are just funding the war effort. So I, I think Europe has got to stand up and take a hold on this. And um, I would sort of hope that in the aftermath of the French presidential election on Sunday next, or tomorrow that is, um, if Macron wins the election, and I guess you can't take that for granted at the moment, but if he wins the election, um, he will then be in a position of significant power within a European context because Olaf of in Germany is certainly not standing up to the plate. So Macron would become the de facto leader of Europe. And um, perhaps then we'll start to see more concrete measures taken against um, Russian energy. But if we do that, there will be an economic price to be paid. And uh, the one thing it does make very clear to everyone, I think, any sensible person would, would, would have to think at the moment that we have this massively dangerous reliance on energy from Russia directly or indirectly. So, we have got to reduce that reliance, ultimately. Mm. And that means, you know, we're really going to have to ramp up um, alternative energy, for example.
2: Mm. Finally, Jim, um, you know, a big trade partner of Ireland is the U.S. And uh, movements between the U.S. dollar and the euro, um, how's that looking and how could that Irish business?
3: Well, uh, given what's happening globally over the last three or four months, um, you know, not surprisingly the dollar has appreciated against the euro. Uh, It has gone from 112, 113 at the beginning of the year down to around 107, 108 at the moment. Uh, Not a dramatic exchange rate movement in the circumstances. Um, But the the, the stronger dollar does improve the export competitiveness of Ireland. Um, But it it, it does make it more expensive for Irish people um, going to the United States. Mm. But it actually, um, the weaker euro, against the dollar does enhance Ireland's competitiveness vis-a-vis the United States. Um, but, uh, you know, having said that, and I've, I've sort of worked directly and indirectly in currency markets for over 30 years, um, you can never be certain or predict where exchange rates are going to go. Uh, they're the most notoriously volatile asset class you can possibly forecast. Um, but I would describe the exchange rate movements we've seen as being pretty um, tame relative to what might have happened in the past. So there is there is a greater level of exchange rate stability, and um, I suspect one of the reasons for that is because central banks are actually managing exchange rate movements more carefully in ways that we're not told about or, or we don't understand.
2: Yeah, so perhaps a, a, a thin ray of light of, of out of a lot of darkness that's swirling around the world economies and indeed yeah, the world at the moment.
3: Absolutely, and, and the other part of the exchange rate piece, of course, is sterling against the euro Uh, because we've seen the dollar strengthen against the euro sterling does tend to track the dollar pretty closely so sterling has also appreciated against the euro and it's down at 83 pence or thereabouts at the moment so that does enhance the competitors of Irish exports into the UK as well. So th- th- there, there is some <laughs> ray of optimism I guess in what's happening at the moment.
2: Yeah, but there's always uh, hopefully some optimistic things uh, out there but we can't lose sight, as you said, of, of the humanitarian uh, disaster and obscenity that's out there at the moment. Jim, thanks I, uh, very much for it's, joining us.
3: It's, it's incredibly depressing, John. The more, the more you see uh, the more you despair about humanity yeah. but um, having said that I'll travel to Limerick this evening uh, in the <laughs>
2: hope that um, Waterford Well best of luck, we hope Limerick. you come with and may the best team win is that what any people are <laughs> No, meant to no, say? I want Limerick to win oh, Sorry, Waterford. <laughs> oh sorry, I'll take you on your first one there Jim we'll make a promo out of that one and we'll <laughs> put that one out Well look Jim, thanks very much, great to talk to you as usual My pleasure John, thank you
3: the bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley
1: Accountants, the East's largest independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie.
2: Yes. Carlo Kilkenny, KCLR. Casey Lauren Deed, you're listening to the bottom line of the programme for and about business. It's just 24 and a half minutes after 9 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 10. Edward Hayden coming up next. Now, Damien English TD, who is the Minister of State for Business, Employment and Retail, recently paid a visit to Kilkenny, where he met with the local enterprise office and all its staff, and also a range of local businesses. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it along to uh, meet him, and with COVID, I couldn't talk to him during the week either, but we did think it was important important to have a chat with them and so our intrepid reporter Edwina Grace caught up with him after his visit and asked him how his trip went.
4: We did indeed uh, I was down there last week and we had a really successful visit, along with Deputy John Paul Feele and my colleague in the Dale. we would have met the Fidel authority could hear a of the local authority, your Chief Executive Burnley, Sean McJohan, Fiona Deegan who's Head of Enterprise and Head of the Leo team uh, and a number of, of uh, businesses involved in the Chamber of Commerce and a number of businesses who are Leo clients uh, right throughout Kilkenny, as well, a very successful engagement, first of all, dealing with the, the SME community and the support they've, they've been using and tapping into the last couple of years, but also having a conversation with them what's needed for the future to be able to develop their businesses to help them grow and to enable them to create more jobs as well. So it was really worthwhile. I was very lucky to meet the, the local enterprise office team who are engaging with those businesses on a daily basis in conjunction with the Kilkenny Local Authority and providing the top-class services uh, to, all, to all those businesses as well. And again, looking for more clients to be able to assist them as well. Some of the businesses we met would have been uh, Red Room Events, uh, Loneless, Navana Lighting, CDS Metalworks, CF Pharma. We also met a really, really, really exciting company, Cakeface, there on the centre of Kilkenny, uh, who looked after us very well as well, but also had a look at their Cookery School and plans for growth and Expansion. We met uh, Melavine Fine Foods. Uh, we met have two KJX and also Cushendale as well so a number of businesses there and maybe a few of them have missed as well but are really, really worthwhile engaging with them because from my point of view from the Department of Enterprise Trade and Employment they're the businesses we want to help to grow and expand a number of them were local enterprise clients and are, are growing now and are becoming Enterprise Ireland clients because they're going to book 10 as well and it's important that all our state enterprise agencies work with these businesses to help them grow for the benefits of Kilkenny and to create jobs as well
1: yeah, and I suppose no more so than any other business. Uh, a lot of them hit quite hard in the last couple of years. Um, I know they got a, a number of supports too in in certain regard. Any further supports due or anything else that the department can do to help them?
4: Yeah, look, we recognise and part of the discussion with those businesses was that the, the, the three issues that are ahead of us is the digitalisation agenda. So the need to continue for ourselves in departments to support businesses with their digital journey by going online, reaching new customers, Bringing in, place, bringing in place new digital operations in their own businesses to reduce costs. That's number one, and there are ongoing supports there. Number two will be the whole green agenda, and we courage to encourage a lot of the businesses to go through the micro-green program that's run with local enterprise offices, again, to assess their business and make a plan of how to be more climate-friendly with their businesses and adapt, A, to reduce costs in the long run and the dependence on energy and reduce emissions, but B... To satisfy the demands of their customers, because business customers now expect their businesses to go green, we need to assist them and help them on that journey as well. The other key area is recognising we're going through a difficult time now since coming out of COVID, with the increase in costs, uh, and there will be supports coming through Enterprise Ireland to assist businesses uh, through, through, through the difficult times. We're going through now in relation to costs as well. We had a sustaining enterprise fund during COVID. We'll have a similar fund now to respond uh, to those costs as well. The ongoing thing I would say, though, is through the local enterprise office is is the involvement of the number of training courses, the mentoring, the business continuity vouchers, the online trading voucher, a range of supports there that will help any business, whether you're a start-up or an existing business as well, because those businesses did survive during COVID. Many did. Um, uh, The ones we met certainly have come through it strongly. A very, very difficult time for any employer. Uh, And I publicly thank them. I want to do it again today because the response to COVID... Um, employers led out on that a great difficulty to themselves but they responded to, they asked from government to protect their employees, their staff their customers and the general communities as well and they did step up uh, and in many cases that involved closing the doors which is a very, very difficult time but they did pivot their businesses, they did reach other ways to get their customers and overall we're coming through that in a strong way now with many businesses um, showing resilience and coming through this, but still difficult times ahead, and we we'll work with them on that.
1: Yeah, and I suppose something that the pandemic really showed us was um, the issue, both for employer and employee, of uh, sick pay, and I know this is something you're you're trying to address.
4: Yeah, this is something that uh, we see very right, strongly in our department, and uh, the Tertiary Development Service has been key on this since probably the start of COVID. That in our view, nobody should feel that they have to go to work.
1: government also looking at assistance for um, parents who need to take uh, unpaid leave, breastfeeding mothers uh, and a whole load of others too
4: Yeah, that's, 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 that's a bill going through Cabinet this week uh, and then it will be discussed in the Dáil Roger Gormer is leading out on that it reflects an EU directive and again it's about trying to bring in and recognise the flexibilities that some parents need to be able to look after children and certainly children with additional needs uh, and it, this is unpaid leave but it's about the process to get that agreement and basically to have the conversation between employers and employees. The majority of employers, well, without a doubt the majority of employers uh, look after the staff extremely well and try to work with them on every issue, uh, but in some cases you need to legislate for the process to have that engagement to make sure parents don't, um, don't miss out uh, you know, in the workforce for having to take time off uh, to care for, for their children with needs.
1: And um, Minister English, is this all enough, do you think, in terms of trying to combat the rising costs of living? I mean, we're seeing bills escalating, wages are pretty static. However, Social Justice Ireland's annual socio-economic review is out today. We're also hearing from the three main teacher unions conferences this week. They're seeking further pay, some of them uh, threatening possible industrial action. Do, do the measures the government are looking at, do they go far enough, do you think, or is there a chance to expand them even further?
4: Well, well, two things there. I suppose, number one, some of the legislative changes around sick pay, redundancy, time off work, they are to reflect a long-term challenge to address paying conditions for staff, but also the long-term challenge uh, to source uh, workers and talent and a skilled workforce and to make sure we can compete with the European countries because nearly every business I talk to tell me how difficult they are finding it to find staff, to find people to be able to work in their business. So we feel strongly that if we can improve um, the overall paying conditions in conjunction with employers that will strengthen our hand to source the talent we need. So that's important in the short term and in the long term looking ahead. The other issue you raise is the current pressure of people's own domestic budget trying to manage all the costs and the increase in costs because of what's happening in Ukraine and coming out of COVID. There have been additional support announced by government since, since with, the, with the changes during the budget and since the budget there's over two and a half billion being, being, being put back into the system to assist families, deal with the increased energy costs, to reduce through excise and back the cost of fuel and energy products as well. That will all assist everybody uh, and will go a long way. The increase to the fuel allowance will help nearly 400,000 people as well. But is that going to be enough? We still don't know that because we recognise as a government we can't deal with every increase in cost. but we're trying to help and assist through clever use of taxpayers' money to assist the, those who need it most. But there is going to be pressure on the system this year. Because of um, what's happening in Ukraine as a country, and you know, we support Ukraine in that. We will deal with that. We will do everything we can to open our doors here to assist them and help them um, with accommodation, with shelter, and eventually into jobs as well. But that does come at a cost to the country, and it does come at a cost to to, to business with an inflationary as well. And we try to respond to that as best we possibly can. But I would say to people, you know, for all of us, it's going to be difficult. Uh, we need to try to protect the most vulnerable first, as best we possibly can, and to recognise. That we are looking at possibly inflation this year to be over 6%, probably heading towards 7% because of that. And we will deal with that in a number of ways. And the announcement last week and over the last couple of months will assist on that journey.
3: Okay.
2: Minister uh, Damien English there, Minister for Business, Employment and Retail, talking to Edwina Grace. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. It's almost exactly 25 minutes to 10 o'clock. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Noel Davidson, Director of Training at the Entrepreneurs Academy.
3: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the South largest
1: independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie.
2: Carlo Kilkenny, KCLR. Now, Kilkenny and Carlow local enterprise offices are seeking expressions of interest for their small business management programme, which is being delivered by the Entrepreneurs' Academy. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Noel Davidson, who's Director of Training at the Entrepreneurs' Academy. Noel, tell us a bit about this uh, course that you're uh, organising for owner-managers.
0: Good morning, John. We're delighted to be involved with the small business management development program. It's one of the programs that's very dear to our heart. We're just one of the companies that deliver training on behalf of the local enterprise offices nationwide and while there's a lot of supports for startups um, on sales and marketing and start your own business, this one focuses on owner managers that are established for a minimum of three years and it's for them looking at planning for their next stage of their business cycle. This is a joint venture by Kilkenny and Carlo local enterprise offices, and we'll have participators from both counties. So it's going to be delivered in two forms, both physical and virtual. We're not getting rid of Zoom yet, and we're still using it to its full capacity. And it's going to be run over 12 weeks with a slight break uh, during the summer months. Um, but, John, it couldn't have been times better because as we're exiting the shackles of the pandemic and um, business owners have been stuck in their business, literally hanging on by fingernails at times and um, uh, with the day to day challenges. And it's nice now to take a little bit of time out rather than working in their businesses to actually start working on their businesses, but with help and advice, not just from ourselves, the coaches and trainers, but from other like-minded owner managers who might have passed a, a hurdle that somebody else in the room is about to pass and might be offer
2: mm. and and uh you know i, I think the statistics prove that uh, most businesses if they're going to go bust will do so in the first three or four years you're talking about quite established people why um do people who are you know three to four years into starting a business or even longer why do they need training presumably they've been through most of the hoops at this stage
0: you know, it's it's always a surprise when we're running the Management Development Programme, we ask the question, is this your first time uh, utilising the local enterprise office? And the majority is yes, um, and that always surprised me because there's so many supports available from the local enterprise office, so part of the programme will be signposting and explaining some of those supports that are available, so feasibility grants, priming grants, and talking about of the time, um, we've noticed the electricity bills going up, we've noticed um, the uh, the push to reduce our carbon footprint. So there's green for micro supports. there's agile innovation funds, there is um, the lean for micro programs, and these will all be explained uh, during the management development program. And many of the owner-managers, after working on their businesses for so long, I'd say three years or more, And they forget that there are so many other supports out there. So that's part of the programme. It's showcasing some of the supports that
2: are there. Yeah, now you're involved with the Entrepreneurs' Academy and presumably dealing with like literally dozens, if not hundreds of entrepreneurs around the country. I was interested before we came on air, we were just talking and you mentioned imposter syndrome. Talk to me about that. Are there many people running businesses who actually feel like imposters?
0: There was a study recently that 84% of entrepreneurs experience imposter syndrome. And when you think about imposter syndrome, to explain it, it's that feeling at any moment you're going to be found out as a fraud, you know, that you don't belong where you are and, uh, and that you're making this up as you go along. That's part of being an entrepreneur. Many business owners are figuring things out as they go along. Um, we call it innovation. And... Uh, and you know, they're prototyping, they're trying something, and, and failure is part of the game, but failing fast, failing often, failing cheaply, and, uh, and going again. You know, that's what we mean by prototyping. Um, so, good entrepreneurs don't look at um, it as failure, you call it feedback. It's only failure when you give up, but it goes hand in hand with imposter syndrome, where you feel that I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to keep going and uh, and resilience comes into it and that actually is one of the sessions that we'll be delivering is innovation creativity and resilience it might reduce a bit of the imposter syndrome
2: yeah and and a, a lot of times uh, people don't realize how lonely it can be running a business it's something that i hear from many uh, business people as well as you know learning some actual skills uh this course would presumably offer uh, an opportunity for people to kind of connect with people which is a very important part of keeping a business going as well
0: very much very much so your network is your net worth I mean to use that that phrase but we're going to add another phrase in we call it the board you can't afford I mean we are uh, going to have about 16 to 18 participants on this program they will be from all walks of life from a business point of view so you're going to have um, agriculture you're going to have craft. You're going to have manufacturing, you'll have retail, wholesale, uh, service industry. Can you imagine having to pay for that board table, if you like, and those people around it? So we call it the board you can't afford. And um, it isn't just learning from the trainers and coaches from the Entrepreneurs Academy, it's learning from the other participants who have maybe passed uh, a milestone or a difficulty that someone else in the room is about to pass and they'll be able to offer that help and advice and and that peer-to-peer networking is a huge part of the program
2: talk to me a bit about what people who've been through the program might say about it so that that might help potential uh people who might be interested in in participating get a handle on what they would expect to gain you
0: know like everything in life john you can only ever join the dots when looking back. You know, when you think about it, uh, when you're meeting your life partner, you're thinking to yourself, if I didn't turn up on that day, uh, I wouldn't have met that person and we wouldn't have built a life together. That has been the overwhelming um, response from other past participants. I am glad I did it. If I didn't turn up on that day and sign up, I wouldn't have met this person or that person or lent this uh, tip or trick or being able to work on my financial planning and strategy, my sales growth strategy, be able to move from dealing local to global. And everybody that has participated in the management development program has said, it's something I am so glad I did. Mm.
2: You never know who you might meet. Finally, Noel, just tell us if somebody's listening this morning and, and you've piqued their interest, what should they do or how do they find out more?
0: So they go to the local enterprise office website, so it's local enterprise forward slash Kilkenny or forward slash Carlo if they look down on the front page under training and events the small business management development program is listed there and it's an expression of interest form click the book now
2: and uh, enter your details. You're very welcome back. That was me talking to Noel Davidson, Director of the Entrepreneur Academy. You're listening to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. on Casey Lord. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock now. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by a local entrepreneur. Her name is Anneliese Duffy and she's from the Linen Shirt Company. You're very welcome to the Bottom Line, Anneliese.
5: Mr. Purcell, good morning and Hello. how are you? I'm very well, thanks very
2: much. <laughs> uh, your company caught our eye because you're doing great stuff. The uh, Linen Shirt company. Tell us about it briefly.
5: I tell you, I set up the company. I was really, really clever. I set up the label linen shirt company two weeks before COVID hit. So I am cert- certainly a very, very clever entrepreneur, I must say, for myself. Fair
2: dues yeah. to you. Yeah. Okay, well, we won't, uh, we won't again we, try to catch we you won't. with any questions. Cheers. Cheers. So I think, um, a mark of your cleverness, the, the name, the clue to what your company does is in the name. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the kind of shirts that you produce and well, what's the philosophy behind it.
5: Okay, well... Basically, um, I grew up in children's wear manufacturing. My parents were children's wear manufacturers. So I started sewing commercially as a machinist when I was seven years of age, John. So it's in my blood. And the one thing, the reason why I set up Linen Shirt Company is is because I really, truly believe in making in Ireland. That was something that our family always believed in. We never outsourced our manufacturing abroad. It was always made in Ireland. So I had a look and I thought to myself, well, other than the fact that I can make in Ireland, what else can I do? So I said, well, I wonder if I started to look at other people who are producing in Ireland. What if I started to use fabric that was produced in Ireland as well and that's where the idea for Linen Shirt Company came about, by making shirts for a high quality, using a high quality Irish woven fabric as well.
2: And um, it's an idea which was fairly lonely at times I would imagine because the the prevailing orthodoxy was um, you know, ship stuff off and get it done in China or the Middle East or something like that, but um, as I was talking to Jim Power earlier on, globalisation is a bit under pressure and people are really the, they need to be doing business with people they know, they trust and that they share the same um, values as.
5: Absolutely. Well, the one thing that was instilled is in me when I was a child growing up on the factory floor was is that when you're making in Ireland you are supporting other people and other linked business who are also supplying goods that you can use to make your product. Mm. So it wasn't anything that was ever in my head to go and source outside Ireland because I truly, truly believe that every Irish consumer deserves the choice to wear clothing that says made in ireland on the label yeah, well, and look, that's what i'm trying to do
2: we've got to take a break now but uh, when we come back we'll continue this uh, chat about the linen shirt company and you've got a, a great website and you've been hitting the headlines for all the right reasons uh, lately you're listening to the bottom line the program for and about business on kclr i'm john purcell don't go away uh, we've got lots more to talk about with Lee Duffy, carlo kilkenny kclr Casey Lauren indeed. uh, you're listening to The Bottom Line the programme for and about business it's just eight and a half minutes away from ten o'clock I'm joined in studio by Annalise Duffy uh, from the Linen Shirt Company so uh, you started during uh, Covid Annalise and um, how are things going for you you know you you kind of intimated not a great time to start but I sense that things have been going quite well
5: they have we're really really lucky I have always been a a B2B um, company in my past so because of that We're getting into retailers now around Ireland, and we have just sent our first shipment off last week to Bali, and two weeks before that, the first shirts went to Japan.
2: Fantastic! So, So yeah, reversing the trend. um, Absolutely, export it out. And how are people uh, responding to it on the international market?
5: Really, really well because they appreciate the heritage that surrounds Irish linen as a fabric. Um, Irish linen is world renowned for its quality, um, and they appreciate. How good and how how much quality we can actually put into products that are made in Ireland as well. Mm. So on the international stage, yes, absolutely, they're a hundred and ten percent behind um, something that is made in Ireland using an Irish fabric.
2: The, the attractions of outsourcing stuff and shipping it off to China or shipping it off to Bangladesh to get it done and all that is obviously price off. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. How how do you compete with that? And is is manufacturing in Ireland very expensive?
5: <laughs> It has come down, I'll be honest with you. The reason being is is that the price of the shipping from these countries back into Ireland... Has gone up by tenfold. And um, recently, I read a report to say that a container went from two thousand up to twenty-eight thousand for the shipping of a container.
2: Yeah, and I've heard that elsewhere. Um, yeah. across all sorts of businesses. Now, don't quote me;
5: I could be wrong. Well,
2: you are <laughs> quoting yourself, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you are right. I have heard other people sure. uh, talking about that yeah. because it doesn't matter whether you're sending shirts or you're sending yeah. automobiles; the container is the same cost.
5: It is, yeah. But that in turn brings opportunities. And it brings opportunities for brands who would consider manufacturing in Ireland to make that a real reality. But unfortunately, what we need to do, we're churning out fantastic designers in colleges, but we don't have a skilled workforce to support those designers to start to build their brand and make in Ireland. For example, in when I was growing up, there was over 100 factories all making products for the clothing industry in Ireland. In Dublin alone, when I was growing up, That can become a reality again, but however, what we need to do is is we need to start to train skilled workforce to support those designers. So that's, as a company, what we're investing in. We're investing in training.
2: And that comes to to support from government and (coughs) apprenticeships and so on.
5: Yeah, we just need to get people on board. We need to start to explain how important it is to help regrow Irish manufacturing to help to start to regrow that talk again. Mm.
2: So um, I'm... you're obviously full of passion you've, your business has got a, a good response I think you're at Showcase you've got you, start, you know. I think you featured at the Kilkenny Business Awards yeah. and, and so on sure
5: we've been really really lucky And Showcase we won um, Designer of the Year award for the collection which was a fantastic start to our year then we were um, we were nominated for a business award at the Kilkenny Chamber Awards as well and there's another couple of awards in the pipeline that I can't talk about yeah, right now But
2: and, and, you had some well-known people wearing your your clothing which is uh, really good as well I think a well-known jockey featured in some Irish linen
5: uh, yeah shirt. Nina Carberry had it and wore it there last week it was on the front of the oh. RTE guide fantastic um, all, of, all of this for me is part of the regrowing of the industry because Every shirt that we sell, we're using the money that we that we make on the shirts to reinvest it in starting to build um, the training of the workforce.
2: Well it's obviously in your blood you're hugely passionate about it. Where can people uh, find out more about your company or if they even want to uh, buy some of your products?
5: I'd love them to go and look us up and read more about us on linenshirtcompany.ie
2: linenshirtcompany.ie Well Annalise, it's a pleasure talking to you and hopefully we'll have you back in the studio again to tell us uh, more about the great progress of your company the Linen Shirt Company, a proud and passionate local business.
5: John, thank you so much.
2: It's been a real pleasure. Unfortunately... That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. If you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the Bottom Line at caseylore96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just search for The Bottom Line on KC Lore, wherever you do your podcast listening. Thanks to all our guests this week, Jim Perr, Minister Damien English, Noel Davidson and Annelise Duffy. Thank you to Edwina Grace for her contribution to this week's programme and to Deirdre Drummey who produces the show. And thanks most of all to you for listening. We'll be back with you next Saturday, just after the news at 9. Edward Hayden is next after the news at 10 with Angela Doyle. And we've got lots more to keep you entertained and up to date over the weekend on Casey Lawrence. So until we speak again, stay tuned to Casey Lawrence, stay safe, and keep the faith.
3: KCLR's Bottom Line.
1: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.onf.ie